Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Hello and welcome to everyone joining us for our online service today. We hope you enjoyed chatting in the virtual cafe Um, and just to let you know that we'll be doing that again at the end, we'll be extending the time for 15 minutes just so that you can put comments in and say hello to people and stay connected. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Keely, and together with my husband Simon, we lead the church here in Whitstable. Now Sue, who is part of our church community, works at St Peter's Residential Home in Herm Bay and we know that every Sunday they are tuning in with us to watch our service. We want to do a big shout out to all the carers and the residents and say hello, you are really welcome. And a special hello goes to Georgina who is 99 years old and apparently she loves every minute of what we do and talks about it all week. So hello Georgina, hope you're doing really well. We pray that you all keep safe and stay well and that you experience this morning just how much God loves you and how much you mean to him. Thank you, God, for being with us this morning, for bringing your presence to our homes in such a special and tender way. Please continue to be with each one of us through the rest of the service and open our hearts to receive all that you have for us. Amen. Now, normally in our church, we celebrate big, significant birthdays, uh, 70, 80, 90. On Tuesday, Chris's eye will be 70 years young. Chris used to be the pastor here and he is a legend. From the very first day Simon and I met him, it seemed that our hearts were connected by God and we have enjoyed a wonderful friendship for the last five years. Chris, you are a very special man of God and today we want to honour you. Happy birthday, Chris. The whole church family loves you and wishes you the very best of days. May you know continued fruitfulness and joy of the Holy Spirit. We really love you. And one of the main things happening at Riverside at the moment is the pantry project. And so I wanted to do a little video to show you what's going on on a day-to-day basis and how it all works. So I thought I'd show everyone what's happening with Pantry Project and how it's working at the moment. As you can see, I'm in the auditorium at Riverside and it's really sad that we can't be here this morning meeting together. But as you can see, it's being put to very good use. So this is all the foods that we have at the moment stored on these tables and there's labels so that when the team unpack the donation bags, they can be put in exactly the right place. All of the surplus food is stored underneath. And they're put on these tables and then the team moves around in, a, in an order and puts things into the crates on the trolley and then they're packed into the bags. You can see all the different kind of food that we have. If you imagine where we were just a couple of months ago with Pantry Project before the coronavirus pandemic and where we are now, the change is quite extraordinary. And here is Jackie, who's managing all that goes on here and doing a fantastic job, I might add. Morning, Jackie. Morning. So can you tell us, what do you put into the bags? Okay, so this is a package that I'm packing up for a family of three. So we've got the main items of food. We'll give them meals for four or five days. They have some snacks, teas and coffees, soup. We've got breakfast cereal. We have some personal care items. And, and household items. And if we're giving the bag out actually on the day, we can put eggs and cheese and some spread in there for them as well. 
fantastic. And actually, these fill two full Aldi yeah, bags, don't they? Two bags. Two bags. And where are we getting donations from? So donations are coming from our church family is our primary source. And just want to say thank you so much for what you're giving. Your generosity is amazing. And it's just letting the flow of what's coming in and going out to continue. So thank you so, so much. Um, so church family, we're also getting donations from the community. Um, Chris Cornell, our local councillor, has put on Facebook that we are running the project. And so people from the community are giving. Um, increasing our um, coverage of, what of the people who know what we're doing. So that's great. Uh, we're getting donations from Red Zebra, who's a local social prescribing charity. And also we get some from Fair Share, which is a charity who tries to reduce food waste. And so we get some things from them each week as well. And how many bags have we made up in the last few weeks, Jackie? Uh, in the last few weeks, so bags, meaning by bag, a whole package for a family. We've done over 100 in the last few weeks, and that has fed 350 people. That is just brilliant. So tell us, um, how are people connecting with us? How are they hearing about us? Well, we get referrals from the family liaison officers because of, this was set up in originally to combat holiday hunger for the, the children who don't get their free school meals during the holidays. Um, but it's just got much bigger than that. So we still get the referrals from the family liaison officers at the schools. We also get referrals from social workers who are working with families who are really struggling at the moment. Uh, Red Zebra are referring some people to us and some people can self-refer. They just um, phone the church and say that they have a requirement for food. Brilliant. So what kind of people are we helping in this time? Who are the bags going to? Well, all sorts of people really. They're people who have lost their income due to the, the virus at the moment. Um, there are people who are struggling to feed their children at the moment because they're with the children at home and very hungry, bored and wanting to snack. Um, elderly people, we've had some referrals for them who are self-isolating and just can't get out to get their food and haven't got family or people locally who can help them. Um, and also we've had some people referred by social workers who are some ladies who are fleeing from domestic violence as well. And I know we're still helping people in our own church as well, aren't we, who, yeah. who we know need help. So can you give us just a couple of stories from this week, Jackie, of those kind of people? Okay, so one that really sort of comes to mind is there's a young lady who's just leaving a refuge. She is expecting a baby that is due in four weeks. She had nothing. She had, well, a Moses basket and a cot. So we've been able to do a big package for her from Grow Baby with a pram and lots of equipment and clothes for her. And we've done a food package for her. Um, she had literally nothing when she got in contact and she had no credit on her phone and say baby due in four weeks so we were able to give her a gift to put credit on her phone buy herself a meal for last night and just today a whole package has gone out to her um, so it's really good to be able to help her another family we've um, helped this week as three people in the family and the man in the family has just come back from hospital he's been suffering from pneumonia and they've lost all their income because he hasn't been able to work and we've provided five bags to a local primary school um, for families that are going to need ongoing, ongoing support as well. Great. Is there anything else you want to say, Jackie, at the end of this? Um, I just want to say that it's just such a joy to be able to help the people that we are and it's just so good that they're coming to us and we can meet their needs. And just thank you to everyone who's giving um, for everything they're doing and helping and allowing this to happen, really. Brilliant. Thank you, Jackie. Isn't that amazing? 
As Jackie said, we are also still helping those who need emergency baby clothes or equipment, and that's working alongside the bags um, that are going out often to the same people. We're in a really privileged position to be serving our local area and want our interactions with people to be more than just feeding them or clothing them. We want every person to be touched by God and in their time of desperation to really know that they are loved and treasured. So please join us in praying for them. We're going to be putting um, anonymous stories at the end of our weekly update email just so that you have some more accurate ways that you can pray and specific ways. I want to say a huge thank you to Jackie uh, for heading up this project, but also to Martin and Kim who are there every day making sure it all runs smoothly and helping out however they can. And also to every person who is delivering, we want to thank you. It, we couldn't do it without you and you're really appreciated. As always, we are so proud of the church. Everyone is pulling together to help one another and our mandate to be good for everyone is certainly being expressed in so many ways. Next week is still going to be our termly week of prayer and here's Jake to explain how you can be involved. This week is our termly week of prayer where we as the church family choose to be even more intentional about setting time aside to pray together. And I was listening to a podcast the other day, one of my favourite podcasts called This Cultural Moment. And it's a podcast of a few pastors getting together, including John Mark Homer, who was at the leadership conference this year. And they get together and they chat about how we live out faith in our current culture. And they had Pete Hughes, who leads KXC Church in London, as a guest in this particular episode I was listening to. And he was asked, how can the church be most effective in this culture? And Pete said this. He said, we want to take seriously that prayer is where the battle is one. Our top priority is that we must be getting together in prayer. We are desperate for God to move in this very moment that we are in, for God to heal, for God to give people his peace and love and for God to use this moment to show himself to those who do not know him yet. Often when it comes to prayer, one of our biggest struggles is that we feel as if we don't have time, as if life is too busy. Well, for a lot of us, and I know this isn't the case for all of us, but for a lot of us, we have completely lost that excuse. We, we can't use our busyness as an excuse to stop us praying. What a, an opportunity we have right in this moment, right now, to spend this time in isolation praying and to get into a routine of being intentional about prayer. So during this current coming week, between Monday and Friday, in this prayer week, each morning I'll be posting a video on Facebook and on the Staying Connected page on the website with a few things that we can pray for together, for us all to pray that day. And maybe you want to call someone up and pray with them. Or maybe there's someone in your family or in your household that you can pray with. Or maybe you want to pray on your own. But I want to encourage you to pray these prayer points each day and to do this together as a church. As we pray these things together, we must believe that God will answer our prayers, that God will move and that God will respond to our prayer. 
Let's practice being vulnerable in our prayers and authentic, but let's also pray with the faith and the boldness that he will do something about it. I will also be setting my alarm each day at midday at 12 o'clock to say the Lord's Prayer. And I want to encourage you to do the same, to at midday set an alarm and pray the prayer found in Matthew 6 verses 9 to 13. The prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. It would be great if as many of us as possible did that together each day at midday. So each day look out for these posts on Facebook and set your alarms for midday and let's make a priority prayer. Let's make prayer our priority this week as we set time aside to pray. And whilst I have you here, I want to quickly just plug something that we've been doing over this isolation period. You may have watched one of our Sofa Talk sessions. And during these sessions, we've been interviewing different people about what faith looks like to them. And the heart behind it is that it's a very casual conversation that is easily accessible for young people to tune in and to continue their growth in their faith whilst not being able to come to youth group. There is still something accessible for them. But this week, we have the, uh, the pleasure and we're so fortunate to have Zeke Rink come to join us for this sofa talk. And if you don't know who Zeke is, Zeke runs um, with his colleague Susie. He runs the National Youth Movement at the Vineyard Church. And he also, in doing that, runs Dreaming the Impossible Festival. And it's amazing that we've, we've been able to have him this week for this interview. So if, if you have a young person in your house, or even if you don't, I really want to encourage you to tune in and watch the Sofa Talk um, on YouTube. I'll put a link up on the Facebook page and you could also go directly to YouTube. The YouTube channel is Riverside Vineyard Whitstable Youth and watch that. And hopefully as, as we watch that, we'll be encouraged in faith in our faith and maybe if you're encouraged you can forward it on to someone else to other people uh, other families with young people and for others to watch so thank you well, thanks jake we're really looking forward to uh, a week of prayer next week with your encouragements my name is simon and i'm back with you uh, today to continue with our online series teach us to pray our focus with this series has been trying to look at the life of jesus and how he prayed so we can learn from him and we can regrow ourselves in that place of prayer. So far, we've, uh, we've looked at being, well, first of all, finding that secret place, that place we can come aside, that, that word that was used as closet in, in the scriptures to mean sort of almost like a cupboard, a place we can come aside undisturbed and be with God. And we've looked at honesty um, in that place of prayer, being authentic, how we're feeling, uh, what we're thinking, and then last week we looked at a vulnerability, how that sense of letting our guard down and really um, coming to God as we are with all our flaws, all our inconsistencies. And um, if you've missed any of those talks, you can catch them on our website or you can listen to them through our podcast. Well, today is our fourth talk in the series and we're going to look at um, today how Jesus was merciful in the place of prayer. Jesus' prayers were full of mercy towards those around him. And um, 
Mercy is a, one of those compound words. It, it means a number of things. It means to show forgiveness. It means to show compassion. Uh, and it means to, uh, to show unmerited love, to give love to people that don't deserve it. And these are the three areas we're going to look at today uh, as we explore Jesus' uh, prayer life and the mercy that he showed through it. Mercy is also connected to being in a position of power and not choosing to use that power to sort of control uh, or, or, or um, lord it over somebody. And Jesus came to earth with incredible power imbibed in him by the Holy Spirit. But he chose never to use that power in any way uh, to control uh, or, to, um, or to manipulate. Instead, Jesus continually perplexed the disciples when he chose not to use his power. They encouraged him time and time again to, to use his power to overthrow the Roman occupiers and become the conquering king. But even when Jesus was arrested and uh, he said to Pilate, I could summon uh, 12 legion of angels to protect me. You know, I could summon tens of thousands of angelic beings to come to my aid. Uh, he chose not to do that. He chose to, to go low and to serve and to humble himself uh, continually time and time again. So what does it look like for us to, to follow Jesus into that place of prayer and demonstrate mercy to those around us? Well, I want to begin today by looking at something we've talked about a lot uh, in the life of the church, and that's forgiveness. It says this in Mark's gospel, the words of Jesus in Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And forgiveness is one of those things that sounds great in theory, but is really hard in practice. And the reason is pretty obvious, because when we are faced with a situation where we have to exercise forgiveness, then we've been hurt. And the, and the truth is that hurts really do hurt. And so when we're in that situation where we've been hurt, often the last thing on our minds is the thought of forgiveness because we feel we feel all, that, all those hot emotions. We feel anger, we feel the wound, we feel pain, we feel um, all these hot emotions are, are flooding into us and it's very hard to think about forgiveness. And then if that, if that wound begins to sort of settle into us, then these emotions cool into things like resentment and and bitterness and, and retaliation, thoughts of retaliation, maybe even thoughts of revenge. And these, these hurts and wounds can quickly solidify in our souls and they feel a very tangible part of us. They feel very much part of who we are. They take on a very tangible nature very quickly. And a hurt feels like a debt. It feels like that somebody owes you something. It feels like you've got this, this hold, this, this, this unpaid debt and they need to repay that. Shakespeare talked about, I think, in, in one of his plays, I, th I think, um, about the pound of flesh, that desire for the pound of flesh. We want to get even. We want, we want to get our pound of flesh back from that person. They owe us something. And so we hold on to the hurt and we wait for that payment. And that payment for us might take the form of wanting that person to come back and say they're sorry. It might take the form of wanting that person to come and uh, ask for our forgiveness. It may take the form of, of you know, wanting that person to feel pain in the way that we felt pain. And if our thoughts have got really cold and really dark, it might take the form of we want something bad to happen to them as something bad has happened to us. 
the longer we hold on to hurts, the more those hurts, in fact, hurt us. I was told a very simple story uh, years and years ago, and it really stuck with me and impacted me and explained to me that cycle that gets stuck into when people cause us pain. And the story goes like this. It's a story of some people who go camping uh, in the woods in North America. They set up their camp and they put their tents up and they create a little bit of a campfire and they get some coffee going and over the campfire uh, and they enjoy their coffee and they leave what's remaining there just bubbling away and they go off and explore the woodland. And while they're away, a, a bear drawn by the smell of the food in the camp and the, and the smell of the coffee, a big grizzly comes wandering into the camp and begins to sniff around and explore the camp. And he sees the coffee pot and he reaches out and touches it and the coffee pot's still hot. And so as he touches the pot, the pot burns his paw. And being a grizzly, he grabs all of that pot and he crushes it in a bear hug. And the more he crushes the pot, the more the pot burns him. And the more the pot burns him, the more he crushes the pot. And he's stuck in this cycle of pain. And when I heard this story, it painted a really vivid picture for me of that cycle we get stuck into when someone hurts us. We hold tight onto the wound, onto the pain, in the belief that the tighter we hold it, the more likely we are to extract justice from the person who caused us the pain in the first place. But in fact, all we are doing, just like the bear, is the more we hold that pain, the more we hold that hurt, the more it hurts us. And we're stuck in that cycle that we can't seem to break free from. So Jesus gives us the key, the very simple key. He says, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. And the word Jesus uses here to forgive is a, is a word that means to let go. It means to, to yield up, to, to offer up, to to give up any debt that you might have against that person. And when we forgive in the way that Jesus encourages us to forgive, we, we surrender our claim to justice. We surrender any claim we feel to get restitution from that person. We, we fully release them regardless of their attitude towards us. And when we think about this, this, feel, this feels wrong. This feels like... So are we condoning what they did? Are we, are we minimizing what they did? Are we allowing them to get away scot-free with what they did? Uh, if they really hurt us, then surely they, there needs to be some recompense for what happened. When we forgive someone in the way Jesus encouraged, it's like taking them off the hook that we've placed them on in our own souls and then placing them on God's hook. We, we're handing them over to God. And it's a really difficult thing to do, particularly if we've been hurt deeply or if, if we, that, that person's hurt someone that we love dearly, then this thought of letting them go is a really a difficult thing to comprehend. But without forgiveness, then we never break the cycle that's described in that story of the bear and the coffee pot. We just, we hold on to pain and we rehearse pain and, and the more it hurts us, and the more it gains control over us. And Jesus also alluded to the fact that as we release forgiveness, we are recipients of forgiveness. He said in Mark 11 there, he says, Forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. So as we are recipients of God's mercy into our own lives, we're then called to be agents of God's mercy into other people's lives. As we're forgiven, so we're 
asked and called to forgive. And part of the new identity that Jesus calls into when we trust him and when we begin to follow him is that we become agents of God's grace to the people around us. And if we choose to withhold that grace, if we would choose to withhold the grace that was freely given to us, even though we didn't deserve it, we didn't merit it, we received God's grace through Jesus into our lives. If we, if we withhold that grace, we turn that tap off of grace to other people, then somehow that limits the flow of God's grace and love and mercy into our own lives. And these are, these are heavenly mechanics at play, and I don't profess to fully understand them, but I do understand the words of Jesus are very clear. As we receive forgiveness, we are to be people who practice forgiveness. And Jesus said this in the strongest possible terms. What we've received is to be passed on to others. He said in Matthew 18, verse 35, we're to be people who forgive from the heart. And that means there's no tokenism here. There's no, there's no sort of giving lip service to forgiveness. What we're called to do is at the deepest level is to release that person to God is to take that person off our hook and put them on God's hook and entrust them to God. And as we release people in this way, we also release ourselves from that pain cycle that we talked about with the bear. And I think Jesus links forgiveness to prayer because when we come to quiet and when we come to pray, often the people who've hurt us just rise to the surface of our minds and they and they become obstacles to us fully connecting with God. We, we start to think about what they did. We start to rehearse what happened to us. And, we, and once again, we enter the pain and the wound of what was caused to us. And that hinders our prayers. So Jesus says, as you come to pray, as you stand in prayer, as you come into God's presence, if those people come to mind, then you need to release them so that your prayers aren't in any way hindered. James, Jesus' brother, wrote in his letter, he said that fresh water and salt water can't flow from the same spring. He said that in James 3, verse 11. And that's what it's like if we try to pray and connect with God whilst withholding forgiveness. It's like we've got our foot on the accelerator and the brake at the same time, and it hinders our prayers. And so Jesus says, as you come to prayer, as you come to quiet, and if someone comes to mind that you need to release, then release them. And as you're listening today, as I'm speaking today about this topic, you might have someone who just comes to the surface of your mind that you need to release. You need to let go. And I want to pray today that you have the strength and you have the grace to be able to do that. To be able to release that person, take them off your hook, put them on God's hook. Whatever thing you're holding over them, releasing that, letting it go. When we forgive, we allow God's blessing to be released. We allow mercy to triumph over judgment. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And as we forgive, we are allowing mercy to flow into our own lives and mercy to flow into the life of the person that we're releasing. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And as we choose to forgive, we're living out the words of Jesus as he called us to pray. As we've been forgiven, so we choose to forgive. And we cancel out that debt. Whatever we're holding over someone, we choose to say that debt is cancelled and we release you. So that's the first aspect of being 
merciful in the place of prayer. The second one I want to look at today is how we can show love, unmerited love in the place of prayer. It's really easy to love those people that love us, isn't it? It's really easy to, to, to repay kindness with kindness and love with love. And, and that, that seems like a very easy path to tread. But Jesus spoke of us displaying a different sort of love. In Matthew 5, he said, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And Jesus told us to, to actively love and pray for those who make our lives difficult, who have set themselves against us, who, who are our enemies. And we demonstrate this love um, in the place of prayer. And if forgiveness is a reactive thing that we do, then we could say praying for our enemies is a proactive thing that we do. We choose to actively pr pray blessing on someone who, who isn't for us, who, who doesn't want the best for us. Why would we do this? Surely we should be calling curses down on those people rather than blessings. But Jesus said, if you act in this simple quid pro quo fashion, if you just do nice things to people who do nice things to you, then the people, the pagans, the people who don't know God are acting in that way. It's just a simple law of uh, sort of, um, you know, tit for tat. It's, it's, but actually, if we're called to reflect the heart of the Father, uh, God in heaven, who is the one who loves extravagantly, um, and completely without, he loves us unconditionally, then we're called to reflect that as his children, as, as people who follow him and part of his family, we're called to reflect his DNA. And so in the place of prayer, we're called to pray for those who persecute us. We're called to pray and bless those who will treat us. Because Jesus said, if you do that, you'll become children of your father in heaven. You'll, you'll, you'll demonstrate the DNA of what it is to be in God's family. And that's really important in the place of prayer. Because when we bring our enemies into the place of prayer, we're calling down God's love and God's blessing and God's kingdom best into their lives. And as we do that, we become more like the Father, we become more like Jesus, and we're releasing God's kingdom blessing into their lives. We're opening heaven over them. And that's really important. Even though we're praying for people who we feel might not deserve it. And that's an act of vulnerability in the way we talked about last week. We're being vulnerable in the place of prayer. When we choose to do that, we're, being, we're going the extra mile. We're being vulnerable. But when we do that, we release God's blessing into their lives. And again, as we talk today, you might have people you think, that person is really against me. That person has set themselves against me. You may need to start today by forgiving them. And then the second step is to actively begin to pray for them. Pray for, for God's kingdom to come in their life. Pray for them to escape any trap the devil has set for them. Pray for them to experience peace and pray for them to experience blessing. And remember, just as you do that, you're going to be a recipient of God's mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will see mercy. And so as you as you show mercy to that person, as you show unmerited love to that person in prayer, you'll receive blessing into your life. And the third aspect I want to talk about today of Jesus uh, being merciful in prayer is, the, is compassion. Throughout Jesus' life, we see him being moved to pray um, by compassion. There's an account I want to read from Mark's Gospel. It says this. 
Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. That's Mark 3, verses 1 to 5. In this account, we see the, the condition of Jesus' heart versus the condition of the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the condition of their hearts. Jesus' heart is soft towards the man who is suffering with the, with the shriveled hand. He has compassion and he's moved to help him. In contrast, the Pharisees have what are described as stubborn hearts. And the word here means hard like marble, hard like stone or calloused. Their hearts have become indifferent to the plight of the man who is suffering with the hand. They were more interested in an opportunity to accuse Jesus than, than having compassion on the man in their midst who was suffering. And life can make our hearts hard and make our hearts calloused. We can become cynical, um, suspicious, critical, unfeeling in the place of prayer. We become, become pharisaical almost in, in, in prayer. Life can do so much to us that it can just callous our hearts to the point where we become indifferent and unfeeling. And Psalm 65 talks about God softening the earth with showers. And I think we need that continual softening of God's touch in our lives to keep our hearts from becoming calloused and hard. And as we allow ourselves to soak in God's presence and allow his mercy and his love to break up that hard ground, then we can be merciful in the place of prayer. And that's why the, the things we've talked about already, that coming aside uh, to quiet, that, that, that being honest, that being vulnerable, all these actions break up the hard ground in our lives. They soften us so we can be people of mercy in the place of prayer. As we become more aware of God's unconditional lives flowing into our lives, then we can be more we're more able to pray for those around us, pray for those who are, who are struggling, pray for those who, are, who, are, who, are, who are, have become cynical, pray for even the hard-hearted around us because our hearts are soft in the place of prayer. In a moment, Mark is going to lead us in, in one last song and I want to encourage you to use this time to, for God to come and water your soul, uh, to soften your heart, to break up the hard areas, um, and just, just wait on him, allow his presence to touch you and fill you. And if anyone comes to mind, <clears throat> excuse me, during this time, anyone you, that has hurt you, or maybe somebody you feel has set themselves against you, just ask God for help and grace to release that person, to take them off your hook and to give them to God and to release any hold you have over them. And as you do that, um, I'm praying for, for God's healing, and God's life and refreshing to fill you and flood you this morning. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you showed us mercy, that we can be people who show mercy. Help us to grow 
in the place of mercy uh, in our prayers and in our actions and help us to quickly release forgiveness and pray for those who, who hurt us or pray for those who set themselves against us. Lord, we want to reflect your likeness in every way. We want to be children of God. And so, Lord, help us to, to reflect you and to honour you uh, in the way that we pray and serve those around us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside. <laughs>